Hello, and welcome to episode two of Bridging the Gap, a podcast brought to you by the Governmental Accounting Standards Board. My name is Eileen Foley, Senior Manager of Digital Operations, usually working behind the scenes to add a little bit of excitement into your world of financial reporting. But today I'm fortunate enough to have Gatsby Chair Joel Black with me as I introduce our next episode. So welcome, Joel. Thanks, Eileen. It's great to be here. Very excited for our second episode of Bridging the Gap, our Gatsby podcast. Really excited to have you here too, Joel. I understand today that Matt will be speaking with a special guest. Can you tell us a little bit more about today's episode? Sure, Matt will be talking um, to Deborah Beams and Deborah's gonna be walking through a project she's leading that's currently out for exposure for a comment period in which we are proposing to break out certain capital assets in our required capital asset note disclosure. That sounds great, I can't wait to learn more about it. So without further ado then, let's go ahead and welcome Deborah to today's episode. Over to you, Matt. Thank you so much, Joel and Eileen. Um, thank you all uh, for listening uh, today. We are, uh, we are here at episode two of the Bridging the Gap podcast. And with us today is Deborah Beams. Deborah is a GASB supervising project manager. And we're gonna discuss um, an interesting project that's on the, on the GASB's agenda right now. It's, it's the project on proposed guidance on disclosure and classification of certain capital assets and what this project might mean for our stakeholders. So Deborah, welcome to uh, Bridging the Gap. Thank you, Matt, and thank you for having me on. Of course. Um, before we dive into uh, the details of the project, I think it would be great if you could just, for our listeners, uh, just talk a little bit about what we mean when we use the term capital assets. It's a pretty broad category, so I'd, I'd like to maybe just color that in a little bit. Sure, so capital assets is defined in Statement 34 as tangible or intangible assets used in operations and that have an initial useful life extending beyond a single reporting period. So things that can fall into capital assets are land, buildings, vehicles like police cars or fire trucks, equipment, works of art, uh, infrastructure, software, uh, patents, all types of things can fall under the capital asset category. Got it. So a, a school bus or a Manet painting are both, uh, for the purposes of GASB, um, uh, capital assets. That's great. Uh, good to know. Uh, so, so now we're going to dive a little bit into the project. And, um, uh, you know, I, I, I read off the title of the project. It's, it's proposed guidance. Uh, so this is, um, this is, if you will, a proposal, not, not a final, not a final um, standard from the GASB. Uh, can you just give us some background on, on how the project sort of came uh, to be, how this sort of rose to the top of, of the agenda for GASB? Sure. So it is proposed guidance. It is what we call an exposure draft. So it is in the format of a final statement, but it is not final yet. It is put out there so stakeholders can provide comments on uh, what is being proposed. Mm -hmm. uh, for this particular exposure draft, uh, it started with this project, which is if you look on the GASB website, it's called Classification of Non-Financial Assets is the project that this exposure draft is issued under. And recent standards on leases, public-private partnerships, and subscription-based IT arrangements in particular um, have required the recognition of certain intangible assets, assets that represent the right to use somebody else's owned asset. And so those right-to-use assets were classified as capital assets. And so in the light of the recognition of those new types of assets, um, governments have many of them, 
sometimes some very large amounts of them, uh, we took on a pre-agenda research activity in June of 2020 uh, to gather information on various types of non-financial assets and the effectiveness of the existing classifications. The results of that research indicated that financial statement users generally do evaluate information about certain types of non-financial assets differently. Because of that, the board added this project, Classification of Non-Financial Assets, to its current technical agenda in August of 2021. Got it. So, so essentially the catalyst was um, uh, uh, sort of new types of assets were, were brought into the, the category of, of capital assets. Uh, and now you needed to um, uh, sort of have a better sense of how users were analyzing and using this information and what, what, um, what their needs were. Uh, uh, and that was what sort of brought this project into existence. Good. Um, so, so now the project is, has been uh, sort of brought forward. It's, it's added to the technical agenda. What were the issues that, that emerged as the staff dug into this a little more deeply? So we looked at different types of non-financial assets and considered whether financial statement users would look at them differently when they're analyzing financial statements. Uh, and we did also consider whether some of these right-to-use assets should continue to be capital assets or if they should be some other type of classification. The board is proposing that they stay in capital assets. Um, but back to the financial statement users, we were asking them if they use information, for example, about lease assets differently than owned assets. Do they care if a government is leasing a building versus if they own the building? Right. So for the different types of assets that we did in our research, uh, many of them we was indicated that users do use that information differently. Mm -hmm. Um, and so the board has decided to propose that certain types of those capital assets would be broken out separately within the existing capital asset note disclosure requirements. And those four types of capital assets are capital assets held for sale, lease assets, subscription assets, and intangible assets. Hmm. And, and right now, these are not broken out differently um, in, the, in the disclosure, uh, in financial disclosures, you're saying? They may or may not be. May or may not be. Uh, the current requirements for those capital asset note disclosures is that they be made by major class of asset. Mm -hmm. And so some governments might, and probably many do, uh, have some of these types broken out separately, but it's not necessarily required that all governments do. I see. Got it. That's helpful. Thank you. So you talked about breaking it out differently. Uh, what will that actually mean for governments, and, and what is that going to do to the, to the look of, of, um, of, of the financial statements, and, and how preparers and users will be able to engage with those uh, financial statements? Right. So the proposal is that these certain types of assets, if a government has them and if they're material, uh, would need to be broken out separately within the existing note disclosure. Generally, it means those things are going to be on their own line um, within the table. Mm -hmm. uh, we have included in the exposure draft an illustration of one possible way that that might look. It's not necessarily the only way that would meet the proposals, but it helps stakeholders to visualize what the proposals are requiring. Mm -hmm. And so some governments might already disclose some of these assets on separate lines uh, already. Um, so the proposal might not change much for them, 
But by requiring the disclosure for all governments to report these same types of assets separately, it will enhance com comparability for financial statement users as they look at financial statements of different governments and compare them. I see. So, so for example, you know, capital assets held for sale, um, this, was, this would be a new classification under the proposal. So, so what, what will that, when will that new, um, when, that, when will that new classification come into play and, and sort of what does that look like when it happens? Right, so GASB standards uh, so far have not defined what it means for a capital asset to be held for sale. Um, although our research did indicate some governments are already reporting things as held for sale um, under some criteria. Um, but our research indicated that users do consider capital assets held for sale differently when they're analyzing the financial statements, particularly if they're making assessments of a government's liquidity. So this proposal describes when capital assets should be held for sale so that when financial statement users see capital assets held for sale, they know exactly what that means. So the two proposed criteria are one, that the government has decided to sell the asset, uh, which is terminology that already exists in the GASB literature uh, in Statement 42. And two, it is probable that the sale will be finalized within one year of the financial statement date. So for example, if a school district has a school building that's no longer needed, it might decide to sell the property. If they think it's probable that the sale of the property will close within one year of the financial statement date, then it would classify that property as ca capital asset held for sale. Okay, well that makes sense. Um, does that affect the value uh, or the, the measured value of that, of that asset? So this proposal would not change the measurement of any capital assets that are classified as held for sale. Um, it is strictly a matter of breaking them out separately in the note disclosure at the same amount they would be reported at if they were not held for sale. So those capital assets would still be subject to guidance on depreciation and impairment as applicable. Um, so the measurement of the asset would not change. Right, that, that, that makes sense. Um, what I'm wondering though is, um, let's say the Board of Education has decided to sell a surplus school. Uh, there's suddenly a change in demographic trends in the, in the community and um, the school which was once uh, slated for sale is now going to be either brought back in and used as a school or, or repurposed in some other way for the community. I mean, uh, once you've made this disclosure, are you locked in and you can't change your mind or, or, or does, the, does the proposal um, sort of have guidelines for what happens when, when a community changes its mind? So of course, because we're dealing with the probability of something happening in the future, there's always a chance that it won't. Right, there's uncertainty, sure. Right. Uh, so the proposal does allow for capital assets, once they are classified as held for sale, if something changes and they no longer meet the criteria, maybe they decide they're not going to sell the school building, or perhaps the uh, expected timing changes, it gets pushed out beyond one year, uh, that the capital asset would be reclassified back into its regular category out of the held for sale classification. Okay, got it. Um, well, this all makes a lot of sense. Uh, where, where is the GASB in, in, in the um, standard setting process uh, uh, with this project? You've issued the proposal, what's, what's, uh, where, where are you now? Yes, so we issued the exposure draft at the end of September, which is available on the GASB website, gasb.org. 
um, and we are looking for stakeholder feedback on the proposals um, before we start the next round. I see. And, and how, how, how can stakeholders provide that feedback? So there are two ways to submit comments on this proposal, uh, both of which are described in the document. Uh, there's the traditional comment letter that many of our stakeholders are used to uh, writing and sending to us. Um, but there's also an electronic input form that we've created that's on the GASB website, uh, which is uh, in a survey form, uh, and it asks some guided questions for uh, stakeholders to help elicit uh, uh, the kind of feedback you're looking for. Some stakeholders might find it easier to answer questions rather than sitting down with a blank page and trying to write a full letter. So the idea is to make it as easy as possible for people to provide their feedback. That's great. And, and what's the timing on, on all this? So the comment deadline is January 5th of 2024. Uh, we typically do about a 90-day comment period, uh, and that allows a little time also after the holiday break. Uh, the board will then start re-deliberations based on the feedback we received in the spring. Uh, how long they spend in re-deliberations will depend on the feedback that's received. Um, but right now we are targeting July of 2024 to have a final statement. That's terrific. Well, uh, this is an interesting project. Um, thank you, uh, Deborah, for joining us today to, uh, to sort of fill us in and, and, to, and to encourage stakeholders uh, to, to review, the, review the proposal and, and provide feedback. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. And anybody uh, who's listening who would like to provide feedback, uh, please use the electronic feedback form, which you can find on gasby.org. Um, thank you for listening to uh, the podcast today. And be sure to subscribe for future episodes that we will have with, uh, with, with the Gasby. Thank you. Thank you all so much for tuning in with us to this episode of Bridging the Gap. We hope you'll join us again, and please be sure to visit gasby.org slash podcast to subscribe and to stay updated on future episodes. You can also follow the Gasby on LinkedIn, Facebook, and X, previously Twitter. Bridging the Gap is a production of the Financial Accounting Foundation, produced by myself, Eileen Foley, and brought to audiovisual life by Patrick Doorsman. So until next time, keep balancing those books crunching those numbers, and embracing the art of financial reporting.